Welcome to Accountable, where your business is our business. Hosted by David R. Peters. Today's guest is Dr. Scott Dell. Everyone, welcome to Accountable, the podcast for CFOs by a CFO. Hey, my name's Dave. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this week. We have a great show lined up. Uh, our guest this week on Accountable is Scott Dell. Scott is an assistant professor at Francis Marion University in Florence, South Carolina. And uh, the way that I met Scott is, is that uh, he was doing what. Scott does. Uh, he was helping students get exposed to the accounting profession. So I actually met Scott at Scappa's Fall Fest, uh, and uh, he had brought a group of students to the uh, to the conference. And the goal of that was really to just get students to start to get to know what the accounting profession was all about, uh, to get them involved in some of the issues and some of the topics that were being spoken about uh, at that conference. And so uh, we got to talking a bit. And I think that Scott has some great perspective on some of the things that have really been challenging to our profession over the last few years, uh, namely trying to get students involved in the accounting industry, trying to get them excited about what accountants do. So this week, we're going to be talking about all things student-related. We're going to be talking about the new CPA exam. Uh, we're going to be talking about what is maybe keeping students from uh, getting involved in accounting and uh, what is causing them to maybe not take the CPA exam, uh, as many, at least uh, not as many students uh, taking the CPA exam now as there were before. And so Scott and I kind of delve into why that might be. Um, also, talking with him a little bit about what the future of the profession needs to look like in order to get more people interested in it. Uh, how is the profession uh, going to evolve and uh, how can uh, the students that are coming out of colleges and universities right now, how can they play a part in that evolution? So we touch on a lot of really interesting things. Again, I think Scott is a great person to talk to about this because he is so involved in helping students really understand what this profession is all about. He is uh, the uh, person who is uh, helping students uh, in the Accounting and Finance Club uh, at Francis Marion. Uh, he is uh, the point of contact there, uh, and he just does a lot of work with students. And so I think he's got great perspective on this topic. So uh, especially if you are in South Carolina, but even if you're not, I think that uh, Scott is really uh, a good person to just really know. And to really listen to, if you're really trying to get a sense of what people that are coming into the profession right now, what are they thinking about, what is important to them, and what is not. So I, I think it's going to be a great conversation, and uh, I know that uh, I always like uh, like uh, talking to Scott and uh, just uh, hearing what he has to say, and I hope you do as well. So enjoy my conversation with Scott Dell. This week on Accountable, my guest, Scott Dell. Hello, Scott. Welcome to Accountable. David, honored to be here. Thank you. So we have an interesting topic today because this is about uh, one of the things that we should probably care about in the industry, maybe more than anything else right now. And that's kind of the pipeline of people that are getting into the industry right now. One of the things, though, that we've seen at a national level, and states have kind of been varied in terms of kind of how much they've been affected by this, but at least at the national level, we've seen a lot fewer students coming out of school with accounting majors. We've seen a lot fewer students going on and taking the CPA exam. Um, and I guess I would love to hear from your perspective, from somebody who deals with students on a regular basis, what have you seen? I mean, is is there is there a reason why we're seeing this drop off? Uh, is there something about our industry that is maybe unappealing to students right now? What would you say are maybe some of the things behind that? Excellent question. I actually hear an echo in my mind, my dad saying, you know, the kids these days, 
And now as a parent, I'm feeling the same thing. And it is the kids these days. Yeah. The only constant is change. And they are changing. I mean, we're looking at the millennials, Gen Ys, looking at the Gen Zs, and actually college is smack dab in the middle. The transition is right on where the Gen Zs are only experiencing the online training or the COVID time training. The Gen, the millennials are kind of past that. They, they're getting both worlds. But things are changing. And let's, let's talk about some of those changes. Yeah. Because you're right. The pipeline is, is not, I'm not going to say dwindling, but it is cutting back. And we're not attracting like we used to. I had a conversation just last week with a colleague, and we're talking about the idea of career. And you think, you know, you and I talk about career, and we say, yeah, five-year plan, 10-year plan. Where am I going to be in 20 years? Right. Students today aren't thinking 10 years out. Hmm. They're not thinking five years out. They're lucky if we're thinking two years out or, or two weeks out. So the challenge is saying, all right, well, what do you want to do long-term? Because you, you always get that interview question. Where do you want to be in five years? Where, sure. What's your 12-month plan? Where sure, are you going? Sure. And that's not the top of mind. Now, I used to think our students, okay, they're, they're coming in dumber. Well, not really. <laughs> are they reading less? Yes. Are they, are they reading the textbooks? Heck no. All right. Oh, now, so it's down to edutainment. We have to be educators and entertaining because got to keep these sound bites, the two-minute blurbs, even LinkedIn learning is two, three-minute segments continuously running through. And that's the learning soundbite, so to speak, that we have to deal with. So when when, when I went to accounting school back at BU, Boston University, okay, we took the courses, we studied, we read, we due diligence and had what we had to do. Students these days, I'll, I'll give you a couple of stats. Average change of majors, three times from undergrad. My goodness. So if you think about that, it's not so hard to change. You know, okay, I'm going to switch from biology to healthcare administration. Okay, I, I can do that. I'm going to switch maybe from accounting to marketing or management or finance. That's not so bad. But to switch into accounting is a nightmare because now you've got two years under your belt. Oh, I think I'll be an accounting major. Well, you, we're talking 150 credit hours to get to the CPA level undergrad. You start saying, wait a minute, I got another three years of this stuff. I, I want to get out in two. Right. Or you're going through the, 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 the motions and people are not switching into accounting as much as out of accounting. Hmm. Couple of the factors is a lot of first generation, and I deal with a lot of first generation students coming through. Where's the role models? The role models are not, well, I know if I've got a friend who's an accountant or a CPA or in the profession. It's more of, well, I'm good at numbers. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm stressing with my students. You don't have to be good at numbers. Yeah. Accounting is four function math. If you can add, subtract, multiply, and divide, you're good to go. And the skills for an accountant these days have grown not just from ticketing tying, but interaction. It's those soft skills or what I call the success skills that are so crucial. And that's another loss for our students these days, especially during COVID, but even before COVID hit. Our students were not quite as interactive. They were kind of behind in some of those, the EQ, the emotional quotient, emotional intelligence. Um, the resiliency, that's another cue that's in, in, the, in, the, in the loop. So how resilient? If you get kicked down, how fast do you get up? Yeah. Well, I used to teach hockey players, and they got up pretty quick because if they were down, they, they couldn't stay down. But if you're not in sports and you're kind of sliding along and you get kicked to the curb, uh, it's a little bit slower recovery time these days for most of our students. And yes, many of them are used to getting awards for coming in fourth, fifth, and sixth place. <laughs> I'm, uh, not ideal, but that's the whole resilience ideal that we need to think about and consider. So those are some of the, some of the factors that come into play. I think you said a lot of interesting things there. I mean, so, you know, you talked about uh, kind of maybe resiliency being an issue. You talked about kind of switching majors being an issue. One of the things that I've heard from a lot of people is, as they say, well, what about, you know, kind of the fifth year? You know, I mean, it's the fifth year and, uh, you know, that's, but uh, the thing that I'm kind of quick to point to is, is like the 150 hour requirement, that is not new in the last couple of years. I mean, that's been around uh, since uh, for for many states for you know what over fifteen years it, it's oh yeah it's, it's it's been around a good long time you know past just past two thousand but the whole idea is quick you know faster 
get right. me out of here, get her done. And there's been more of a trend to less attention span. So having that commitment, yeah, it's been around for a while, but our generations are less likely to hop on the bandwagon and say, I'm willing to invest the time and the commitment to make it long-term success. Um, so, and that's, that's the challenge. And I'll tell you, my accounting students, and I've, I've been a full-time academic for 15 years, entrepreneur for over 30. And I, I mm. never dreamed of being a full-time academic. Just got my doctorate two years ago. I'm, I'm a fresh doctor off the press. But I've seen in the past 15 years, the evolution of students, and there's been, some, there's been a lot of change. Yeah. And, and for, for good and bad, I'll, I'll, a lot of you know, the older generation says, those kids these days, right. well, the re- reality, those kids are c- caring about the environment. They're caring about the future. They are caring about their leisure time. I, I knew when I went into public accounting with the big eight, no, okay, I, I just dated myself, but <laughs> it's now the big four, I realized my skiing days were done for overall until I get to a certain level. Right. And I accepted that. I, I, I enjoy downhill skiing up in New England, but I said, that's not going to be in the cards. The kids these days are not willing to forego that. They want the flexibility. And, and a lot of maybe my generation, I'm a boomer, and they may be saying, these kids are soft these days. Well, yeah. I don't think they're, they're soft. They're just different. And appreciating, you know, viva la difference. There's a lot of, you know, DEI, yeah. diversity, equity, inclusion. Yeah. Okay, it's a diverse population. It's now it's not just racial diversity, religious diversity, disabilities. It is generational as well. And we need to appreciate that, understand that, and be aware of that. And the big four has, has caught on. Yeah. I mean, they're finding that those they need that flexibility. I mean, the great resignation is on. Yeah. Why? Because people are saying, hey, I got a taste of living at home or you know, being with my kids or doing things and having some flexibility. I kind of like that. Maybe yeah. I can find a, a career, a profession, or an employer that will adapt to my schedule, and I can give back. So I, th- I think that that's that raises a lot of interesting questions about uh, maybe how the the industry maybe needs to change in terms of maybe how it views uh, some of the folks that are coming in. It, the CPA credential itself, though, I mean, has always sort of carried a. Uh, it, it's always been a well-respected credential. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think I read somewhere that there's something like 400 financial designations in the United States alone or something like that, some ridiculous mm-hmm. number. But I mean, I think if you were to ask the person on the street, what, you know, what kind of financial designations do they really know what they are? I think the CPA exam and kind of that CPA credential might be one of the few that a good bit of the population would get right. And that and there's no disrespect there to other exams. I mean, you know, the CFA exam is one of the toughest exams in the entire world. Uh CFP exam is, you know, is well respected. Not okay. not dogging on either one of those, but I do think though that, you know, if you were to ask somebody on the street, I think that they would say, they would say, "Okay, I know that I know what the CPA exam at least in broad strokes what it is." They probably think that you do taxes. Uh <laughs> but uh you know, that's that's always the joke, right? Right? But exactly. uh, but but I, I do think that they do look at that and they say, okay, financial expertise. I mean, there's something yes. there uh, to that credential. Has that changed at, at all? Because I mean, or how is how we are viewing it? Has it has it changed? I, I think the CPA and, and yes, I am one. I confess, and I don't do taxes. I also confess that. <laughs> but the CPA, I think, still is the gold standard. Yeah, but there's so many other standards, and you just mentioned CF, CFP, CMA. You can go CGMA. You go down. The, you go down the, the you know the TLAs, all the three letter acronyms. Right. And you find out a lot of professions are having them now. An- another change that I will share: my accounting students used to be the cream of the crop. When I was in school at my institution, and I'm on the, I'd have the accounting majors in the business school were, were, were top of the line. And then you had, and not not to belittle any other majors, but the other majors were probably not as career focused, as technical in that direction. But now, not only do the sharp students go for accounting, which that's where the sharp students ended up, because we always had our our our, our top top business school students there. Now they're also going into computer science. Yeah. Now they're going to, to IT. Now they're also going into supply chain. Now they're going into other environments. That some of our, I, I, and if, 
if those were around when I got my degree in accounting, that may have been a distraction. And a lot of folks, my, my colleagues that went in accounting might have gone in those other directions because there are opportunities, goals, and they, you know, the, the sky's the limit in some of those fields. Yeah. So again, the market has changed. There are more certifications out there now. So one cannot, you get the CPA, that's great. But now you start saying, well, maybe non-financial certifications are cool too. I've got all these computer technical certifications, IT, MIS, whatever it might be. I'm going down the data analytics track. And all of these are valuable tools in the accountant's quiver, but they're also tools that are professions in and of themselves. So it dilutes the potential pool of accountants. Well, so that that raises a good question too. I mean, in these other professions, I mean, you mentioned IT, which is you know obviously uh, and kind of computer science and and some of the other ones that you mentioned. I mean, is there an appeal there? Is it? I mean, is it just is there perception or reality that there's better work life balance and better pay? I mean, is it really? Does it really kind of come down? Is it is it really that simple? Where it's just like, hey, I could be an accountant, but I don't get paid as much, and I'm probably going to have to, you know, and whether we like it or not, I mean, we as an industry, you love being a CPA. I love being a CPA too. But I mean, the fact is, is that, you know, there is at least some reputation out there that we're kind of a churn and burn industry, especially when we get into public. Yep. Especially the larger firms. You're right about that. You step back and looking at the environment for accounting majors, for accounting students, and you start saying, okay, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Hit the money, follow yeah. the money. And mm-hmm. yes, the perception is I can make more money as an engineer or in supply chain or in IT. As a matter of fact, a lot of the big four firms are, are hiring not just accounting majors, but a whole slew of other majors that go beyond because they can't get enough people that they're just accounting. The skills you need these days have also blossomed out. It used to be a tax is an audit. We're good to go. That's right. what you need to know. And like I said, I started an audit. That, that, was, that was a cool place to be. I, exposure, interest, long-term play, great career opportunity, career track. Everybody needs accounts. You know, mm-hmm. with, whether you're the CIA and FBI, whether you're the military, whether you're government, whether you're a hospital, whether you're in public service, whether you're a nonprofit, all need accounts and CPAs. But the fascination, the attention span we talked about earlier has cut down. So no longer can we do, uh, well, let's do a five-year plan. Let's see the big picture. It's, okay, I can, I can, I can get this job and I can start to go job hopping. Yeah. That discussion I had with a colleague about the word career is disappearing from the vernacular of our students. They're not thinking in terms of careers. They're thinking in terms of job hopping. Mm-hmm. That's the norm. That's the expectation and how you jump ahead. And the gig economy... Uh, the stats I was looking at said about 25% these days that are employees also have a, uh, another gig, which in the next five to 10 years is going to jump to 50%. Yeah. So that gig orientation really sets, plays with the mind and says, okay, I'm not going to get hired. I'm not going to get the gold watch. I'm not going to go the 30, 40 year route. I'm going in and then I'm going to jump. Yeah. And it's not so much the upper out, which we, we went through in our days when we're looking at the big eight. Or big four, but it really is a tight market for students coming out because there are less students going in. And I think, and I think it's worth noting too that uh, you know we we've been discussing this idea of the Great Resignation uh, more recently because of the pandemic and kind of reaction to the pandemic. But the fact is, is that the number of years on average that people were spending at a particular company. That's been going down uh, considerably over time. I mean, well before the pandemic was happening. I mean, you know, there was this idea, the idea of somebody staying with their, you know, with the same company 30 years was just, I I mean, it just was something that uh, just doesn't really happen a whole lot anymore. But that was true, you know, five, 10 years ago, too. I mean, um, you're you're so right. Even before the pandemic, the number of not job changes, but career changes was five yeah. to seven times on average. Yeah. So you, you are definitely on track with the only constant being change. 
So, so let's talk about the CPA exam on the whole, because uh, we have the new CPA exam uh, that uh, is uh, being developed here. And, and I guess uh, I would be curious to, to just hear sort of how the exam has changed. And, and do you think that this is really uh, addressing what firms need and the skill sets that, you know, that, uh, that students really need to have kind of going forward? I mean, hopefully we're changing the exam for the better, not necessarily just because, uh, you know, we want to we want to create a higher higher hurdle because uh, my I mean my goodness the exam was tough before you bet I actually like the change in the direction just as a quick review yeah we're still going to have four exams three of them are going to be consistent with what was already there but the fourth is going to be a multiple choice you got three choices that you can go so you can go down the audit the tax track the IT track and you will still be just certified as a CPA you won't be a CPA with a specialty you'll still just be a CPA which means you don't have to take another exam to get additional certification. So I think the profession is recognizing change. They're also recognizing the need to pick up some different skill sets and some different directions and be aware of those that have those skills. Mm-hmm. So, because the CPA exam has been pretty generic, you know, I'm, you know, 500 of my closest friends were in the Boston Armory when I took the exam, <laughs> two and a half days, you know, it, it was, yeah. I, I didn't read a slide rule, but it felt like a close. Yeah. Do you right. get the idea? that the change is we're taking them online, we've got the windows, we've got the timing, and th- th- those, are, those are all positives and good. I always think the CPA had an identity crisis. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's, it's not the law profession or the medical profession where you go to school and then you go to grad school to get that for three years or four years or more. It's not that you come out of undergrad and you're done as an accountant, but you have that extra one year that we're trying to tag the extra credential we're trying to get you into, it does cost more. That fifth year, and by the way, all the stats that colleges use, they use a six-year graduation rate. So okay. I mean, I was on a five-year plan myself in, in, in the day. But six years to graduation, that's the stats you see about graduation success in universities these days. So five, six years, it's almost the norm because people are changing majors, they're changing directions. But a lot of high percentage are dropping out with school loans before they even get to that fourth, fifth, or sixth year, which is another scary figure. Uh, that's pretty. That's bothersome to me to see that because you're coming out with school loans and you don't have the credential to be able to pay those off. And and I think that that's a good point too. You know, I mean, some of this uh, probably is at least tied to kind of the higher cost of uh, education as well. I mean, uh, you know, we can continue to see education go up, and uh, and you know that that thought of that additional year. I mean, I, I have to imagine that that probably plays into some uh, students' decision as well. You know, um, just you know, I, I could I could be in for another year of uh, of tuition and fees and all the things that go along with it, or or I can jump out and maybe I could do something now. And, I, you know, I think uh, just I, that has to play in to at least some student's decision. Um, certainly, I mean, uh, with me, I mean, I know that I paid uh, for uh, f- uh, for half of my uh, undergraduate and all of my graduate school. I mean, so, you know, for me personally, I mean, I was counting pennies during school. I can't imagine Big that, to, you know, and I, and I think most people do that. I, I was just talking, you know, it's, it's, it's the week before Christmas. I was talking to a student about two hours ago. She's working full time, and she's she's working full time through, through through school. So forty hour a week. Now think about our students these days. We were saying they're on the attention span. They're not like our kids used to be or we used to be, and they're not right. because they're working twenty to forty hours a week. They are. They have one in four on average has a kid of their own, so they have family obligations. They have parental commitments. They have whatever it might be that's causing them to be distracted. So that's going to take away from their dedication and ability to focus on a career type major like accounting. Yeah. So that's another thing. It's not that they're and their attention spans, I think, are 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 dropping a bit, but I think it really is a case of too much on their plates and a different pressures than than we had. And yeah, we worked when we were in school too, but the tuition was a heck of a lot less. You know that. Right. Right. And I think that that's a good point, too. Uh, for those of you that uh, that uh, are wondering kind of what that would be like, I mean, you know, think about, uh, you know, trying to study for the CPA exam now. I mean, those of you that mm-hmm. have been out in the accounting world uh, for a little while, I know 
Um, I've taken uh, standardized tests and things like that. Uh, you know, later on in my career, I took the CFP exam. Uh, you know, as an example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after I had been working for a while, I've also taken uh, levels one and two of the CFA exam. Um, both of those, I mean, it's it's just brutally hard. It's harder to study. It's harder to uh, you know really spend the time. Uh, if you have all of these other things, if you have family obligations, you have uh, work obligations, you have other things that you're doing that are arguably uh, at least as important, if not more important in some cases. And so uh, so I do think that that's, that's a good point as well. We, we just started a program this year. I'm, I'm at Francis Marion University here in Florence, South Carolina. It's called the CMA Scholars Program. What is it? It's the opportunity to take two exams, not four, two exams for the CMA and walk in how all the materials we give out the scholarships free resources but getting the students into it is not as bad as keeping them in it yeah because they need to commit to study time you're talking 80 to 100 hours per exam minimum 80 to 120 is is kind of the range for for the cma and i i I actually like the cma because it's broad based Mm -hmm. it's yeah cpa is good audit tax and some other focus legal ethics but the CMA is a little bit more broad-based in finance management and more managerial accounting. So the opportunities is not just for accountants, but for finance majors and for, for management majors as well. So that's the kind of tools that we want our students to graduate with, a credential that we want them to have, the same way we want them to take their CPA exam right after or imminently after graduation. The ideal is take the job, start in September, have the firm support you, for the summer in terms of picking up your CPA review course and giving you the time to study for the exam and then give you a heck of a bonus when you come on board and you passed it. So that's the, those, those are those are incentives. Money money does money sells. Yeah, no doubt about it. Talk talk to me a little bit more because I I, I think that this is interesting uh, hearing about maybe what some schools are doing in response to uh, just uh, these these difficulties that we're having, you know, trying to get people to take the CBA exam. I mean, you gave a great example here about uh, kind of what uh, people what, what you're doing um, in in response for the CMA. Anything similar with the CPA exam? Are you doing anything to kind of propel people to kind of get ready for the new exam? And, uh, and we're, in we're encouraging the, the, the CPA vendors. You yeah. Know, you go down Glime, you go down Becker, Surgent. I, I'm probably going to neglect a few and piss somebody yeah. off. Yeah, that's all right. But, but <laughs> we, we are encouraging our students to become reps. Okay. I, I did this in college. I became a rep. The course I, that, that I repped was give me a free class. Thank you. That's all I needed. That, yeah. that was my incentive and it was and it worked and it was worthwhile taking. So the CPA exam review courses are powerful, encouraged, and I'd, I'd almost say necessary for most of our students to gear themselves towards success. Yeah, they can study on their own, but it is, is it a hard road or hard road to hoe. Trying to get that get students to engage during the school year, yeah, they're fresh off the press, they had their audit class, they had their intermediate, they had their cost, they had whatever it is. Yep, they are more current, and our our push is to have them take the exam as soon as possible. Because if you wait two years, three years, it's, it's like it's like retirement fund planning. Hundred percent, ten plus percent. Start when you're twenty one, or start when you're eighteen, even better. Yep. You wait till you're twenty eight or thirty. You're starting a family. You got yep. a mortgage and, and, and other payments to make. Where's the savings going to go? It ain't happening. And you know as well as I do. You start eighteen to twenty six. You stop there. You're going to have more money than somebody doing 26 to 65. Sure. That, 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 that's a fact sure. because of the compounding. Yep. So if start early, same thing for the CPA exam. One other fact we haven't talked about, and an interesting twist, is the male-female ratio. Yeah. That's flipped. It used to be college students, 60% male, 40% female. Now it's gone the other way. It's almost like Facebook versus LinkedIn. I mean, it's, 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 there's a flip there. Right. Yeah. And you start saying, okay, so what are we doing to attract females into the profession? Because there's more of them in college right now. And is accounting perceived as a male-dominated profession? And I I I might I might propose that to you saying, yeah, I think so. I absolutely. 
Yeah, I, I still think even in 2021, there is a perception, a, a, even though, to you know, to what you're saying there, I mean, there are more women right now pursuing majors in accounting. And M- most a majority of our students are, are, are female as well in the accounting programs I'm in. But I, I think at least among among the industry itself, I still think a lot of people look at it as as a male dominated industry. I, would I think agree that's fair. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that that's interesting. And so, you know, so we have maybe more women coming into the profession. So, so you know, certainly we're doing something right there. Um, you know, uh, any guesses or any any uh, ideas in, in terms of what exactly is drawing them in there? Because, I mean, we talked about the time commitment and things like that. I mean, uh, you know, the time time commitment for someone to take on to take the CPA exam and, and you know, I, I mean, women will have it just as tough as as men will i mean so i i I, so i i'm not sure how how are we drawing more women do you think any idea i i don't know if we're drawing i mean as a percentage yes we're drawing more women because it's a bigger pool of women sure okay I, i don't know if we're actually by the numbers drawing more as such because i think as i say the distractions not only of time management of social commitments, family commitments, work commitments, but also other major options that they can dive into. I mean, I've had, had, had students switch into the accounting major. I've had them switch out, but they switch out to some of these other things of interest. Right. And again, that's consistent with the change of major structure that a lot of people are experiencing. And, and I'll probably get somebody jumped on my throat stream being sexist and saying, okay, Scott, you're politically incorrect, and I've been accused of worse, so I'm, that's okay. But so I'm prefacing my comments. But frankly, the profession needs to be more flexible because you know what? I'm all in favor of paid leave for males and females for childbearing. Sure. Okay. But yeah. if the classics in the profession say, well, that, that's that, you know, the guy doesn't have to take the time off, and then the woman does, and you start going down that track. And then you start saying, well, you know, obviously a woman has to take some time off. That's right. going to be a given if, if you want kids. And many are foregoing that too and choosing not to. Or they're getting married later in life. They got school loans they want to take care of. I mean, I've got five kids myself. That's an interesting track to you know, talk to each one of them. And everyone has a different opinion. Yeah. But you look at that and start saying, well, we, again, as a profession, we need to adapt. We need to give in. And you start saying, well, this is the way it is. No. <laughs> I'm going. So I'm, I'm doing something else. I don't need to 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 go to by your rules. I'm going to go by my rules because this is my life. Right. I feel this is what I need, and I need to honor that. I I was in the Navy, and yeah. when I, I was at the Naval Academy, and when I chose to leave, that was my choice. Although the commandant of midshipmen thought that it would be uh, why why are you leaving and why should you? Leave? I said, well, <laughs> I need to I need to take a year. I was going, I took a year abroad. I actually had asked and requested. To take a year in abroad and come back to the academy, and they said no. Yeah, and I, which I understand and I respect, and that was their choice. But then they said, "Well, why don't you stay?" And I said, "But I feel I needed this year. I took a year in Israel, and that was that was what I needed. And I always wanted to be in business, which is why I went to accounting." Yeah, uh, sure. So, so. Yeah, I, I I think that uh, all, all good points. I, so I mean, it, you know, one of the things that um, that I I hear every now and again, because because I think a lot of times when I bring this subject up, I actually had a conference this past week where I mentioned to uh, some people that I, I said, you know, I said the number of people entering into the accounting industry, I said, is dwindling, and they're shocked. I mean, even though that this has been happening for a few years now, I mean, this is a, again, this is not not news. This isn't like, you know, hot off the presses type stuff. Um, and I say, you know, the number of people taking the CBA exam are dropping. And again, yep. a lot of people are just really surprised to even hear that. Because I think even within the industry itself, I think we kind of have blinders on almost, uh, you know, uh, from the standpoint that we just don't see uh, some of these issues. Um, whoops. I think there's, it's, uh, sorry about my dog. Uh, right. There's insulation yeah we're being insulated somewhat because you know yeah we're having trouble finding folks to fill the ranks of our firm or we're looking to sell our firm and you know be acquired and that that's not a bad direction to go but you're right a lot of folks are not immediately aware of what's going on right now or has been going on 
and it and it has been going on for a while. Yeah, um, I don't know about dwindling, but you, yeah, it's, it is cutting way back. Um, so the, the the effect is long term. That's now. I mean, you, you look you look at 100 years ago. You had a hundred person company. You had 25 or 30 accounts. Yeah. Nowadays, you have a hundred person company. You might have one and a half accounts. Yeah. Right. So the needs have changed as well from a company perspective. And public is going in a variety of directions as well. The skill set is the skill are changing. Right. The same people you're talking to probably are generally aware that, well, entry level positions ain't what they used to be because yeah, true. the entry level accountant is not doing bank recs. Yeah. Because the computer is doing the bank reps. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and you're looking at trying to figure out, well, what is what does the entry level account need to do? Well, they need to do third year stuff, right? Not first year stuff, right? When they, get, when they walk in the door. So those are skill sets, and and academia traditionally is twenty to thirty years behind the eight ball. They've caught up. Now they're only about ten years behind. So that's progress, right? But academia overall still does lag in that way, in that vein. So that's a challenge on the academic side to be able to have our abilities um, to really continue and go in that direction. So that's all right. Yeah. Good thing we have editing. Yeah, no, wor no worries. No worries. We're good. So, so I, I think all of that stuff I think is I think is interesting. What if, what if people want to help in this? I mean, because you know you have a lot of practitioners that are in the field that you know. I mean, that again, like they they uh, typically I tell people I say you know yeah the you know there's there's an issue there's a drop in the number of people taking these the CPA exam and they say oh my gosh I can't believe that and there's some that want to actually get in there and help. Um, what can they do? I mean, you know, what is a practitioner that's, you know, working as, you know, the controller of, you know, uh, XYZ company, you know, and, uh, you know, what, what do they do? Are there ways for them to help uh, sort of turn people back onto the profession or does the profession kind of just need to evolve and, you know, kind of it just, there's certain parts of it that just kind of need to die. Yes. And yes, we need the help. Pick up the phone, call your local accounting faculty member. Right. Call your local business school dean. Volunteer to get in the classroom. Yeah. There are accounting R societies and accounting clubs at most institutions. Yep. I, I was three weeks on the job and I was approached by a student saying, Dr. Scott, I really, you know, I can tell you're committed to students and you enjoy working and doing what we do. We're trying to get this accounting club together. We're looking for an advisor. Yeah. Would you be it? And I said, three seconds later, without a hesitation, you know, student initiating club, I'm in. Got to get cool. on that. Yep. And then I'm having students reach out to the community to get folks back in, whether it's on panels, whether it's as guest speakers, whether it's activities. They need to build those relationships and the rapport because they get the exposure to the profession. And they've gotten wonderful receptions. Yeah. They have no problems, no need, and being able to have that interaction, and it's pretty powerful. As far as being able to reach out to you know, support your local accounting faculty member, give a call. Go through the association of CPAs. They have their education committees. They have the guest speaker routines. Those are pro probably places that will be really, really helpful if they could get out there and help and support. Set the example. Again, mentoring. Mm -hmm. We look at the folks that say, uh, I don't have any exposure to an accountant. Right. Well, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Do you have two or three students that I could talk to? Can I be a guest in a class? Now, to be an adjunct faculty member, you really need a master's, but you don't have to be a master's level person to guest, guest lecture, to be a guest mm -hmm. participant, to have that exposure and to, and to stimulate. I mean, my, my class, yeah, the, Accounting education hasn't changed in a lot as far as financial accounting, managerial accounting, intermediate accounting, cost accounting, audit, go, you, tax. You go down the track, some of the laws have changed, rules have changed, and yes, gap has changed. But the need for excitement, interest, stimulation in the classroom has not changed. Yeah. 
Um, we need that dynamic environment. And part of that dynamicism, I, I, I take a cop who's a fraud and say, I'm an investigator, white collar crime, guest speaker in the classroom, have a CPA or a managing partner or a CFO. I used to be active in Financial Executive International, FEI. I was on the, I was on the board and I was a career services chair. But I would be able to take up to 10 or 12 students once a month to an amazing event, the CFO of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Or a, a financial VP from GE would be a guest speaker or a president of an insurance company. They'd have keynote speakers. They'd have an amazing meal, open bar if you are so inclined and you have a hour of age. But these students could expose, get exposure, and invite students to participate. And finally, give internships. Yeah. I mean, I, I told you I'm not a tax guy. Why? I managed an HR block office out of Sears in Boston undergrad and realized taxes weren't my thing. Yeah, okay, it's, sure. it's more law. If I want to go to law, I go, go to law school, but I love business. From that perspective, I, yeah, I went down the audit trail and not the tax trail. Being able to get that kind of engagement for students to find out what they like and what they don't like is powerful. Maybe they'll be exposed to an industry like insurance or manufacturing that they wouldn't even have thought of going into and had no family exposure. And yes, we're back to first-generation students, a lot more single-parent families than have been when I was growing up. So those are the, again, limits and exposure that a lot of these folks have, and we need to give them more. And plus, what an opportunity, too. I mean, uh, you know, I, I distinctly remember my internship. I spent a, a couple of years working for a small uh, tax firm in Gurney, Illinois, and, uh, you know, it got to experience busy season kind of firsthand. And mm -hmm. even though it wasn't, uh, you know, I was still going to school full time. You know, so that uh, that never really stopped. But at the same time, though, really gave me exposure to a lot of things. I actually came back my senior year knowing just a lot more simply from just experiencing it. Uh, you know, when they were talking about things in the book about, uh, you know, kind of payroll taxes and how that worked and, uh, you know, putting together corporate returns, I can say, oh, yeah, OK, I know what that is. Uh, you know, I know, about, I know about I know about 941s. I know about 1120s and things like that. I think that you can really do something powerful there. I would also offer too, uh, you know, I, I do uh, some uh, guest speaking at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University. I have also mm -hmm. served as the uh, the person who uh, has helped out with uh, some of the committees uh, in terms of uh, outreach. Uh, I, I know that uh, the Virginia Society of CPAs, um, also North Carolina Association of CPAs and the South Carolina Association of CPAs, they all have programs where they have professionals going out to uh, you know various uh, colleges, universities, clubs, and things like that, just uh, like Scott said, talking to students. So if this is something, if you're listening to this and this is something that you are inclined to do, there is opportunities to do that. I can vouch for all three of those states because I work with them closely. I would imagine that if you're somewhere else in the country, I would at least check it out because uh, you know the state CPA societies do a pretty good job of kind of getting around, especially in, uh, in these states. And I met you at the South Carolina Association, and I became a campus champion. So I'm affiliated yeah. with SCAPA, representing them on campus, right. which has been right. powerful because we've had, we've had the CEO come out and Chris has talked to our classes, our students, and our organizations. And that is really given some depth and some insight, some thoughts to folks that were going. Um, I'll tell you, my last institute, when I was in Wisconsin, my school required internships. Mm-hmm. I think that was golden. They were discussing, well, maybe we don't want to require. And I was saying, I'd require two if I could, because yeah, yeah. it's wonderful to learn what you don't like as well as what you do like. Yeah. Good point. It is powerful. I, I, and I've had students have great, you know, the national stat, over 50% of the jobs of people graduating are getting their jobs from internships because mm -hmm. they test drive you, you test drive them. Oh, that's kind of, you know, a match made in heaven. We're, 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 we're in sync. Yep. Being able to do that is powerful, but as I said, also finding what you don't like. I had a student who had an internship, loved it, worked right under the controller, has been there seven, eight years, got to do all kinds of things from HR and payroll to receivables and payables and got acquisitions and saying, this is cool. And I said, great. They offered me a job. I said, super, are you going to take it? He said, no. I said, okay, tell me more. <laughs> Why not? Well, he's been there seven years. It'll probably be another 15, 20 before I get his position. I don't want to wait. And I can't blame I him. I see. 
Okay. So my quick comeback was, okay, well, what, what about your second internship? So that's the, you, you really want to have that multiple and maybe you can be in the driver's seat on deciding where to go. If you have two offers, if that's a problem, that's a good problem. So then you can decide rather than be, well, I got the one offering the bird in the hand versus I, do I, do I go out there and try to find something? Oh, no, I'll take the one I got, which is fine. Not, nothing wrong with that because it's a good experience. So those are opportunities, but op- open your doors. And interns, and these are paid internships. And, you know, there's nothing absolutely there's nothing free, 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 no more. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and I think that that's also a good point too. Uh, so let's talk about kind of what the future of the profession looks like. So I mean, Scott, if you could wave sort of a magic wand and uh, uh-huh. you know, kind of a look at the the future of the profession and kind of where it's going and kind of what you want it to be, what does that what does that profession look like to you? What are what are some of the things that maybe have gotten better? Uh, things that have progressed forward. What would you look at as kind of being our future? I'd call technology the big plus. Yeah. And I, what I mean by that, now the gold standard currently is Excel as a, as a tool. That's a no minimum doubt. these days. Right. Our students now need to have Tableau or Microsoft Power BI under their belt or Python or SQL or some other tools. Now, do they have to be programmers? Not necessarily, but do they have to appreciate what programmers can do? Yes, because there are enough programmers out there to go. A broad base of exposure and experience. Yes, we need to focus. We need, and that, that we're coming in an age of specialization. Doctors are doing the same thing. Lawyers are doing the same thing. But the challenge is we might have great specialized doctors, but we don't have enough family practice doctors to go around. The same thing in accounting. We are starting to get some heavy-duty data analytics, which is cool. We're starting to get some heavy strategy management, whatever direction, audit tax, computerized infrastructure. Um, but the ability to have that bigger picture, and we need the tools that can have our students engage. We, I had our students involved in a global competition for a business simulation. Mm-hmm. And Francis Marion University, we, we represented the United States with nine other countries um, around the world a year ago. So that was kind of cool because they were practicing business process there were 10, 11 categories of stuff. There was an HR category, financial. And basically, you were opening stores. You had logistics to worry about. You had pricing. You could buy at certain levels, sell at other levels, promotion, research and development. The simulations are kind of cool. And it's a gamification of education. Mm-hmm. So we need to attract our students into the game. Not that they're going to be doing taxes. Which I, I frankly, I'm not, I'm not a tax accountant. I'm not going to antagonize <laughs> any of my colleagues that are, because if I have a question, I call my tax accountant. But the go. question being, how do we make that exciting and interesting? Because it needs to be exciting and interesting. Yeah. That's what we need to attract folks. Now, okay, back to the magic wand of what the profession will look like. Do we need to make it easier to enter a profession? I, I don't think easier is the answer, it needs to be a challenge. Sure. But it does not need to be a brick wall. Yeah. So we need to have it that people can go there from alternative paths and being able to reach into the profession. Because a lot of the folks being hired now by larger firms are not accountants. Yeah. Can they get that later? And, and we're also entering a time of lifelong learning. So remember those three major changes on average? Some yeah. people are actually coming back to school. I, I had a colleague from my uh, uh, business person who's a biology major. He said, Scott, the one course I wish I took more of undergrad was accounting. There you go. And I said, can I quote you? Cool. This, this is, this, <laughs> I, I love this. And he said, sure, not a problem. He's a high-tech company, Madison, Wisconsin. He's a manager and he needs the accounting. But lifelong learning, folks are coming back to accounting. Is there an easy path to get the CPA having an undergraduate degree in English or psychology? or a different business major. We need to make those paths easier and more attractive because people are going to say, you know what? Um, I'm ready for that certification now. When I was 20 years old, I was not. I had other things on my mind at 20 and 19. Sure. But now I'm in a position where, yeah, I, I, I see the value and I've got, a fa- I've got a family, but they're supportive. And rather than go for my doctorate, rather than go for my even MBA, or maybe to complement the MBA, I think the CPA is going to be a good fit career-wise because it's a great foundation for success in business. 
So creating kind of alternative paths to get to the exam, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head, though. I mean, one of the reasons why we continue to be kind of in this trusted spot uh, within society is, is not because we're necessarily making the credential easier. Uh, by the way, for folks that are out there that are wondering, since we changed over to the computerized exam, uh, pass rates haven't necessarily gotten better. Yep. Okay, so, so for those of you out there that are wondering about that, uh, um, you know, um, but, you know, trying to create to make it so that people can switch and still be a part of the profession, I think uh, I think that's a good vision for, for the future, no doubt about it. So, uh, Scott, if folks would like to talk to you uh, about uh, sort of anything that we would uh, we discuss today, anything that uh, that maybe uh, you have brought uh, up to them, or maybe they're they're close to uh, Florence, South Carolina, and they they just want to uh, maybe uh, help you out a little bit, maybe of some of the things that you're doing at Francis Marion, how would they get a hold of you? I will tell you, I wrote the book on LinkedIn. That was one of my, you know, I started two businesses and wrote a book during COVID. So I've been busy. There you uh, go. I will start with my LinkedIn address, Dr. Scott Dell. Please reach out on LinkedIn. I would love to connect and be honored. I also have a LinkedIn group for accounting and business professionals. We've got over 2,000 members in the group. So it doesn't just contribute to me, but it contributes to the profession. It contributes to students around the globe. It is a global group. I would welcome a phone call. I'll give you my phone number, 608. 446-1000. I tell my students they can call me 24-7 because I will let you know my phone sits in my office when I go to sleep. So if I'm up at two in the morning and you call, I just might answer it. And I've shocked some students doing that. Most don't call on those hours, but you're welcome to call me anytime or leave a message or send a text. And then scott.dell at fmarion.edu, fmarion.edu. But LinkedIn is going to be the, you know, Dr. Scott Dell is where I'm listed. Uh, by all means, I'm in South Carolina, Florence, South Carolina, but you don't need to be close. This is a global economy. We're in this together around the world. So thank you for asking. Well, Scott, thank you so much uh, for joining us. I think this has been a great conversation. So uh, just thank you so much uh, for your insights and uh, thank you for being on Accountable. I've enjoyed it. I thank you for your time and hopefully we're making a difference. Thanks for listening to Accountable. Be sure to subscribe for more interviews and insights from today's business leaders. All tax preparation is performed by Peters Tax Preparation and Consulting PC. CFO Capital Management and Cruise Financial Organization do not prepare tax returns. Peters Tax Preparation and Consulting PC is not affiliated with CFO Capital Management and Cruise Financial Organization. CFO clients or prospective clients are never obligated to use Peters Tax Preparation and Consulting PC as part of any financial planning or investment management services offered by CFO Capital Management and Cruise Financial Organization.